Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything. Lakers, I told you guys, I told you that when the season ended, that did not mean that we're done because Lakers Nation is year round. We've got plenty of Lakers basketball to still talk about. A big, big offseason for the Lakers. We're going to dive into that. We're going to talk about what happened this season, what went wrong, what we can learn from it. We're going to get, get into those things. And of course, we're going to be taking your questions and comments. So if you're coming in from YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, welcome. And if you're listening to the podcast version of this over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, make sure you do rate, review, and subscribe. Joining me tonight, Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com and AngelsNation.com. I forget to say that too often. Ron, how are you doing, man? Doing all right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of fully into baseball season now. I mean, you know, there's still basketball playoffs, but it's just not the same without the Lakers. So it, it is more baseball season now in my eyes. Well, there is kind of a crazy Suns-Nuggets game going on right now. So that's happening. We saw the Nets are looking ridiculously unstoppable. I feel, let me tell you, Ron, and we're going to spend plenty of time on Lakers, but I kind of feel for the Bucks right now. I watched the Bucks play. And I feel like I'm watching the Lakers play. They they just they can't hit an open jump. And the Nets defense been a little bit better than I than I thought. But my goodness, the Bucks cannot knock down an open jumper. I see that. I recognize it. I sympathize right now with Bucks fans. I, we know how that feels. Yeah, and good news for Bucks fans. Mike Budenholzer is really good at playoff adjustments. It's actually the best thing he does. He's incredible at it. Uh, yeah, definitely not the reason they've been eliminated the last three years. So no. that's really great for Bucks fans. Yeah, <laughs> we're already getting a lot of comments coming in. People saying trade this person. People saying we want this this guy out. Who can they go after in free agency? Plenty of things that we're going to dive into. Uh, but I guess first and foremost, how are you holding up in the wake of of no Lakers? You and I did a video earlier today addressing all of the the Lakers haters that we've seen out there, all the trolls that have been firing off all these anti-Lakers takes. How you been holding up since uh, everything came crashing down? You know, there was a realization moment, and I think the moment for me was somewhere in the middle of Game 5 when they were just getting completely roasted by the Phoenix Suns in every way, just playing horrible basketball. There was a moment where I just kind of realized this wasn't the year. Mm-hmm. nothing about this year from the day Anthony Davis got hurt way back in February. This just wasn't the year for the Lakers. And honestly, I just, it, it seems like a cop out, but it's just like, I'm glad that they're going to get a full off season to rest and get healthy. And honestly, that feels more important than like sticking around to the second round and probably getting bounced. Like I just, they weren't, I don't think they were winning a championship the way they were looking this year. So it's best to just get it out of the way, get healthy. And, and we already have confirmation that LeBron, 100%, he will not be participating in any Team USA stuff this offseason. Uh, Anthony Davis, I don't know if he is going to be in or out on it. My hope is that no Laker is involved in any of the Team USA stuff. Stay home, rest, recover, come back in September, ready to rock and roll. That is the key for this offseason. Just keep it nice and easy. And come back healthy. That's going to be so, so important for uh, for these Lakers. So I hope you're right with that, uh, with that Ron. Let's um, let's get into, well, I'm seeing all these comments. People throwing out unrealistic trades already. That's that's okay. That's what the offseason is for. 
That's totally what, fun. What is the offseason without the trade machine, you know? The, that's if, right. If the trade machine says success, let's do the trade, obviously. Yeah, and let's and beyond just the trades, the Lakers have a draft pick. I did a radio show earlier tonight, Ron. I did a radio show with um, ESPN Honolulu. And they mentioned to me, they said, well, you know, the Lakers don't have any any draft picks. So, you know, what are they going to do? I said, no, they actually do. Like, everybody thinks the Lakers have no draft picks, right? They think that there's no draft picks. Lakers are just so done because they have no draft. They have five of their next seven draft picks, including a draft pick this year. They have the number 22 pick. So there's going to be some stuff for us to break down there. That is, unless they trade that pick, which they might. They traded the 28th pick now, last year. Um, I guess before I do we want get- to say- Go ahead. I do want to say about draft picks. So the Lakers do have five of their next seven draft picks, which, you know, they have draft picks. Yes. They are not allowed to trade any of those picks until after those drafts have come. Right. So if people are trying to, like, throw picks into a potential blockbuster deal, they are not allowed to trade any of those picks until after the draft has happened. That individual draft has happened. And you can and, – and that's totally fine. Like, you just can't say, okay, hey, well – um, you know, Dame Lillard to the Lakers for Kyle Kuzma and like five future firsts or something like that, right? I mean, and we're seeing people, you know, obviously that yeah. doesn't work for a lot of reasons, but we're seeing trades like that get floated out there. You can't do that. That doesn't work financially. It doesn't work for the Blazers side. It also doesn't work in terms of the draft picks. You, you can't do that. But what you could do is say the Lakers take the 22nd overall pick. They pick player X for a team and then the team trades whatever player for that that player that you just selected. As soon as you use the pick, you can trade it. So it's a little bit of a hurdle to overcome, but it's not one that completely prevents you from trading draft picks. And I think that's where we might see Rob Polinka get really active on the trade front is with that first pick. Yeah, and that's what happened last year. So the Lakers were not legally allowed to trade their first round pick last year. So what they did is them and the Thunder agreed in principle on Dennis Schroeder, um, for Danny Green and the number 28 overall pick. But the trade could not be approved by the NBA until after the Lakers made that 28th overall selection. Exactly. And so that's what we would see this year as well. Um, Ruben Trevira, Trevira from YouTube said, Hi, Trevor. Hi, Ruben. Does it make sense for Trez to opt out when he's still of the same market coming off a six-man-of-the-year award? Thanks. I think Trez, when we're looking at this Lakers team, so one of the things we're going to do here tonight is we're going to reflect back, right? And so you look back with Trez. We were so fired up for the Lakers to get Trez. That was that out-of-the-blue signing that no one saw coming, right? You get the Woj bomb, you get the Shams wow, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) and it was just, oh my gosh, what? How did the Lakers get the reigning sixth man of the year? And my first thought was they don't have the cap space. There's no way they could do a mid-level exception. What? How did they pull this off? Because Trez, the sixth man of the year, we said is for sure worth more than that. But he had a rough playoffs last season. And now here he is again. He put up 20 and eight for the Lakers in the month of March, carried the team through stretches, and again has a rough playoff, right? DNP, coach's decision, limited minutes, limited role. Ah, what is the market going to look like for Montrez Harrell? He has a a player option that will pay him just under ten million for next season. What happens with Trez, Ron? You know, I, I'm I'm of the belief that he's going to opt out of that player option. He's going to enter unrestricted free agency only because 
generally players decline that player option. It's it's very rare that you see players picking up that player option unless, you know, the the number that they're getting is vastly more than what they'd get on the open market. I think Montrez Harrell could realistically get somewhere between 10 and $12 million in free agency. And so even if he ends up only getting nine or eight, that's a worthwhile risk to potentially get 12, 13 from somebody. Do you think he has interest in staying with the Lakers after, after the way this season ended? Do you think he wants to stay? And that's another thing. I, I actually don't, I don't yeah. think he wants to stay. He was, I agree. he was the only player in his exit interview that made no mention of running it back. Everyone, Wesley Matthews, Markeith Morris, Anthony Davis, they all said, Hey, let's run it back. Let's bring the same team back. Let's do it again. And Montrezl Harrell said, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens in a couple months. I have no idea. And I don't, I don't blame him for that. I don't blame him given the way the season has gone for him, given the way things have gone down, right? Like, I mean, he's heading into free agency and suddenly his minutes evaporate because Andre Drummond came on board. That, that's kind of what, what changed his role with the team. Um, so I don't blame him if he, if he doesn't come back. But the Lakers, let's say that Trez says, you know what? I want to stay. I've been in L.A. for a long time. I want to stay. Um, but he still declines that option. The most the Lakers can offer him is right around $11 million starting for a deal. I don't know that he's going to get that, though. I don't know what his his market is going to look like. That's going to, that, again, it's one of my biggest questions for this free agent market. He's he's a good player. He's an incredible scorer. I was thinking of this earlier today, Ron. If Montrez Harrell was three inches taller, and his wingspan grew with that, right? So three inches taller, three inch longer wingspan. So it was all proportional, right? He is not the best center in the NBA, but he's probably top ten, right? Definitely, I think he's he's in the he's in the upper tier of centers. Yeah. He's not an MVP candidate, but I could see him in the same tier as a as a Yusuf Nurkic type. You know, like a like a really solid center that that you can play in the big minutes and you can play a lot of minutes and you can trust him in any situation, in any lineup. He's not going to get played off the floor ever. You know, that, that's the problem with Trez right now. His size kind of plays him off the floor. But right. if he was taller and he had longer wingspan, he would never get played off the floor. Because his talent level is so high. He is so skilled yeah. finishing around the room. Like a guy that's 6'7", shooting over guys that are all bigger than him, he should not be that efficient around the basket. But he is. He is. If he was a little bit taller and that allowed him to protect the rim, this guy is getting a lot of money, right? But instead, he can't protect the rim and he can't yeah. shoot threes. So he has trouble defending fives and he doesn't space the floor for you. You get that it's a, it's a problematic fit for a lot of teams in the NBA. So I'm really curious to see what his market looks like. I would like to see him stay with the Lakers, but I completely understand if he wants no no part of that, just with the way things went down here to finish the season. Yeah, a team to look out for. This is just my analysis of basketball based on absolutely nothing I've heard or read or seen. Mm -hmm. My analysis of basketball, I would love to see Montrezl Harrell, if he's going to leave the Lakers, I would like to see him on the Charlotte Hornets. That was I the think, team that was after. I think he fits. Yeah, and I think that's that's a team that that he fits really well. Um, him alongside LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward, I really think that combination would work well. They are in desperate need of a center. They've been running, they've been running like Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo 
I, that something's got to change there. And Trez being a free agent and then the Hornets having cap space is something that that definitely could work for them. And, and they were the team that was after him. Reportedly, he turned down a bit more money from the Hornets in order to stay in L.A. and sign with the Lakers. If they are still interested in him, then yes, I could definitely see him uh, making that leap. And I, I agree. I think he'd be a good fit there. Uh, Benjamin from YouTube with a super chat. What do the Lakers need to compete with the Nets next season? Aside from someone like Lillard or Curry, thank you, Benjamin, for not just assuming the Lakers can get Lillard, Lillard or Curry. A healthy Lakers team this year gets swept by them, by the Nets. Swept by the Nets if they're healthy. Do you agree with that, Ron? For let's let's start there. If the Lakers totally LeBron one hundred percent, Anthony Davis one hundred percent, everybody healthy, would they get swept by the Nets? No, I don't believe so. I actually think. I think a fully healthy Lakers and a fully healthy Nets are the two best teams in basketball. Um, I think that's a varies probably six or seven games, and I, I could see either team winning. Um, the Lakers, the Lakers at full strength are extremely difficult to score on, um, and even though they have all of the offensive talent they have, one of the things the Lakers are the best at is rotating onto guys and making life difficult for ball handlers. And that's that's what, you know, the Nets are an ISO team. And if they're not an ISO team, they're just a swing to the open three-point shooter. And the Lakers are among the best at both of those, at stopping both of those. I mean, look, the Nets offense, the way it was running the last two games against the Bucks. I mean, they looked like the best five-out team that I've seen. Right now, part of, part of that, part of that is Blake Griffin. Biff Tannen, if you will, is a liar, liar, pants on fire. Right? Like, very clearly, Blake Griffin was sandbagging in Detroit because suddenly he can dunk just fine now that he is a net. And so that has certainly boosted them. But they are running a five-out offense. They are spreading the ball around a lot. They are forcing your defense into scramble mode. And then they're hitting the open shooter. And those shooters are knocking down shots. What a concept. Open shooters knocking down shots. Incredible, right? But... I do think the the Lakers would have some challenges with the Nets. I think the key, though, would be, like you said, Frank Vogel's defense is really good in terms of switching and rotating and closing out on those shooters. But the key would be you've got to be able to hit shots on the other end because if you're going to miss shots against that Nets team, they're going to get you in transition. They're going to get you in in mismatches a lot. So you have to be really efficient on your own offensive end, which the Bucs have not been very good at, like we said, And that's going to give the Nets offense a leg up. Like when they get down the court, if they're getting a live rebound, particularly if say it's a, it's a long bounce. A lot of times you're getting matchup issues in transition there. As the Nets are coming down the floor, you're cross matched. And next thing you know, you've got Kyrie Irving being defended by Andre Drummond or something like that as your starting point for that defensive possession. And that's bad news. So I think the Lakers have got to be careful that they, they, number one, they get some more versatility in terms of their wing defense. I'm talking about guys who are like that six, seven, six, eight ish range right in there. Um, maybe six, six uh, long lanky defenders and guys who can shoot the three. If you can do that, you can add some pieces like that. I think that kind of versatility will only help against a team like the Nets. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, we, we can talk about the types of players the Lakers need to get there's going to be some difficulty finding those types of players. You know, they're, they're going to have to, their, their budget is stretched pretty thin here. They're going to need to get creative if they're going to get, you know, that 
that versatile wing defender that they that they need. If they're going to get more of a knockdown shooter, they're going to have to get pretty creative here. And yeah, so it will be it will be difficult to to match up perfectly with the Nets. But I think as constructed, if fully healthy, it's still a very good series. Well, and and look, I don't know. We've got people in the chat saying, "Who is that?" Those types of players aren't just lying around. No, they're not. They're not because reality is the Lakers are identifying that as a need. Everybody is. Everybody is. Everybody in the NBA wants that guy, right? That's what every team needs right now. So I, that's, I'm not saying that's an easy task, but I'm saying that's the ideal that you look for. Now, maybe you, you're willing to give up a little bit in some categories in order to get something else. So you find a guy who's maybe not quite the, the perfect defensive fit, but he can shoot the three or, or doesn't quite shoot as well, but he's a really good defender. There's different things that you can look at there. But I'm just saying, ideally, that's probably what you're looking for in order to stay with a squad like that. Yeah, and then speaking of um, speaking of the second type of person you said, the one who doesn't shoot very well but is a pretty good defender, yeah, uh, and is like big on the wings. There have been rumors I've seen on on Twitter. I don't know how realistic it is, but I've seen some rumors about Kelly Oubre Jr. I've seen that. Um, he he's a very bad three point shooter, but but he can defend on the wings and he's athletic and he can jump. Uh, but he doesn't shoot very well. But that's a name to look out for, I guess. <laughs> I'm like I'm seeing Jeremy Grant. I mean, Detroit's not trading yes. Jeremy Grant. That's the thing. Like most of these guys are, are on teams that aren't going to be traded. And I'm seeing Dame Lillard trades are being proposed to me right now. By the way, ah, uh, yes, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you, uh, the Lakers could offer the entire roster and like 50 percent ownership stake in the Lakers to the Portland Trailblazers, and they wouldn't give us Dame Lillard. No, they are they are not yeah. sending out. Damian Lillard, and they will especially not send him out to the Lakers. Um, oh, somebody mentioned in here, and it flew past me, but this is something you and I were talking about before we came on here, Ron. Uh, they said the Suns are playing only injured teams. Ah, uh, now somebody now, did say it. You made this point. I'm gonna you take it, Ron, because you were the one making this point before we came on here. When we were talking about the Suns. Well, I was saying that last year. One of the big things that devalued the Lakers championship is that is that the Heat were injured, devalued. Yeah, <laughs> the Heat were injured, and it was it was such an easy path because they just played a whole bunch of injured teams. And yet, I don't think anyone outside of Lakers fans are going to say that the Suns got the very injured Lakers and a Nuggets team missing two point two of their starting point guards. Mm-hmm or two of their starting guards, their starting backcourt. Um, I feel like people aren't going to mention that. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to devalue what the Suns are doing. They deserve to be here. They thoroughly outplayed the Lakers in every way. But it's just very interesting to see that no one on earth would dare mention the Suns playing an injured uh, crop of teams. But the Lakers did it, and it's it's a big big deal all of a sudden. No, and, and that's just it. I've got a few people commenting saying like, like, don't don't try to discredit what the Suns did. No, we're we're doing the opposite, right? We're saying the Suns have they have no control over who they play there. They're they're playing who's in front of them. It just so happens they yep. played teams who were injured. There's nothing they can do about that but go out there and play basketball, right? And for the most part of the season, they've been a fairly healthy team. A lot of the other teams around them have been injured, but that's not their fault, right? We're saying last season the Lakers. Had all these people coming out of the woodwork trying to say, oh, no, it doesn't count as much because their path was easy because they played teams with injuries. You have no control over that. No one should discredit the Lakers for that, just like no one should discredit 
the Suns for what's going on right now. But we're saying people did try to discredit the Lakers, but they're not going to do it to the Suns because the Suns are more of a feel-good story because, oh, small market, they haven't won before, all that kind of stuff. That's going to be the factor there. Um, and it's just, you know, it's a little bit of hypocrisy yeah. that we want to point out. Say, when we say people are trying to discredit the Lakers' finals win over the Heat because of injuries, we're not talking about Twitter trolls. Pat Riley, like, yes. Heat GM president Pat Riley literally said... If we were healthy, this is a different series. Like, so this isn't just like Twitter trolls doing it. This is the actual Heat are saying this. And I feel like no one's going to say that about the Suns. And my point is neither neither thing should be devalued. You just play who's in front of you. And if you win, you win and good for you. 100%. 100%. Uh, Dre Johnson from YouTube said, who will be the right fit with the Lakers if Jason Kidd leaves? Do you think it's Terry Stotts? I mean, I, I think if it's not Terry Stotts, it's a ter- it's a an offensive minded coach, right? I mean, that's I I feel like that is the clear need from having watched this team now under Frank Vogel for two seasons. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And uh, there was actually when when Jason Kidd was considered the front runner for the Blazers' job, I said, so weird, I said, by the way, the whole situation. Yeah, I said no way Terry Stotts is going to come to the Lakers and be an assistant because. He's not going to take the job of the guy who just took his job. Like, they're not just going to – Terry Stotts has more pride than that. He's not just going to flip positions with someone who just demoted him, essentially. But now that Jason Kidd's not going to the Blazers, mm-hmm. if he leaves, now I'm more in on Terry Stotts. <laughs> I think Because it, now there's just less of a pride thing. I mean – to a degree, but like, how much is that really going to matter if if you have a chance to go coach the Lakers, like, and, and be an assistant coach for the Lakers? And let let's say that there's no head coaching jobs out there for Terry Stotts, and and this is his if his choices are, hey, you can go coach, be an assistant coach for the Orlando Magic, or you can go be an assistant coach for the Lakers, and maybe win a champion, like, you know. I would I would think you're probably going to pick the Lakers. Although the coaching, you know, coaches look at things a little bit differently than like a player would certainly because their parameters are a bit different. They're looking at what's the best way to get me hired as a head coach. Yes, and I think Stotts is going to be in the discussion for head coaching jobs. So just the odds, you know, the reason the Lakers were able to get Jason Kidd is because they needed a lead assistant at a time when no one on God's green earth would give Jason Kidd a head coaching job after what happened in Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. True. So it was just a perfect storm. Um, I've got Anthony Diaz from YouTube. Trevor, do you agree with me that I want the free agents to go back to the Lakers, the free agents coming back to be Dennis Schroeder, Andre Drummond, Alex Caruso, THT, Ben McLemore. So he's saying re-sign those guys and let everybody else go. So Wes Matthews gone, Markeith Morris Mark gone. E. Morris. Trez. Trez, gone. But Schroeder, Drummond, Caruso, THT, Ben McLemore. Those ones back. You know, you know, we, we've had a lot of discussions about this, the two of us. Andre Drummond is a fascinating, a fascinating idea for right. whether or not the Lakers retain him and what their plans are. I mean, every indication in terms of their words is that Andre Drummond's going to be back with the Lakers next year. But I have a feeling Rob Palinka has shown a tendency, like when time when the time comes to put pen to paper, he's not going to be so like, well, I mean, we said it, so let's do it. Right. I think he's he's going to say, oh, you 
you want how much, Andre? Like, you want $5 million so that you cannot play in the playoffs? Like, I don't know about that. And you and I, so we did a video earlier today on this. So if you guys want more in-depth talk on, on Drummond and his situation, there's, there's a video on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel all about that. Uh, Drummond sounds like he really likes being with the Lakers. The Lakers have made very positive comments about him. They've talked about how great he is in the locker room, how everybody loves him. Those are good things. And I think Andre Drummond is a good player. And I only hesitate because it's the dollar amount. It's the dollar amount that depends, uh, you know, how good he is. Like if you're paying Andre Drummond $25 million, you're in big, big trouble. If you're paying him $4 million, you're probably pretty happy. Right. So the dollar amount absolutely matters with a guy like Drummond. I don't think he's the worst fit ever, but I also don't think it's the end of the world if he winds up going elsewhere. Like if he ends up getting an offer for $8 million, say, starting next season from somebody else, okay. I wouldn't want want the Lakers to be the team to pay that. Yeah. I I don't think I really, and, and maybe I'm in the minority on this, but I, I would hesitate to give Drummond anything more than the minimum like I I just I really think that somewhere out there is a center who's willing to accept the minimum who is like 85 percent of Andre Drummond and I'm just fine with that his name is Damian Jones come back Damian come back his name his name could be you know now Robin Lopez might get a bit more than the minimum Nerland's Noel might get a little bit more than the minimum um but he's out there I think I also want to say this, like with Lakers fans, right? We've seen 20 ish games of Andre Drummond, maybe a little bit more, maybe 25, including playoffs, somewhere right in that range. And we saw him coming off of two months off. We saw him struggling to learn a new system with new players around him. I think there's been some moments of brilliance from him. And I think we haven't seen his full potential. So like if he were to come back next season, I would assume that we're going to see a better version of Andre Drummond than what we saw right now. I think we're going to see a similar player in terms of skill. I'm not saying he's suddenly shooting threes or something like that, but I think he's going to be a bit better than than what we saw because a training camp to get used to the guys, to get used to the system, I think will do wonders for him. So that's the other thing I think we need to consider is that if we if we just assume that the version of Andre Drummond that we've seen for the past few months is just who he is, I think that would be a mistake. Yeah, there. look, there are certain things about Andre Drummond's game that will get better if he's with the team longer. You know, defensive rotations, he mm-hmm. struggled big time with that. But that's something he can learn more over time. Then there are parts of his game that you could let him play 48 minutes a night. And, he, I mean, he'll never be able to catch a basketball with consistency. That's just like he hasn't been able to do it for eight years, and it's not going to happen anytime soon. He's not going to... He's not going to be able to catch lobs cleanly. Did you ever see the movie, uh, The Replacements, the football movie with uh, with Keanu Reeves, Shane Falco? You seen that one? Yeah. And, and they've got the the one receiver, and he can't catch anything, and they just put all this stickum on his hands just so he can catch the ball. Super fast, <laughs> crazy athlete, yeah. has everything you want, but he just couldn't catch the ball. Uh, maybe we can do something like that for Andre Drummond. We can figure out some way to just, just sneak it in there so that he'll, you know, catch the basketball. There's got to be some way to get that done. Uh, but, you know, I, I hope Drummond improves on those things, but I just, I don't see that part of his game ever being improved upon. But the defensive rotations absolutely can be fixed with time. Yeah, hundred. yes, I agree. That can happen. I think, I, and I think it will. 
I think we'll just experience that'll happen. Oh boy. Ron, are you ready to get into it? Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> Throw it out. Here it is. I, this is this is probably about half of the comments about trade this player have been about this guy. And I already and we did a poll like four hours ago on LakersNation.com and have been flooded with votes. The question was, should, I'm just going to say it, drum roll, Kyle Kuzma be traded? Oh. And the poss- there's three possible answers. It was yes, no, and it depends. Meaning like it depends is, is like, you know, maybe if you want to say depending on the return or whatever, right? I want to say it was like less than 10% voted no. Right? Like everyone else was either yes or basically yes, assuming that they get something decent for him. Crazy. But Benjamin from YouTube with the Super Chat says, you probably already talked about this contractually. Who are some potential trades for Kuzma? It should be easier to match salaries now. So Kuzma will have a $13 million contract next season. I think logistically, it makes it much easier to trade. I think it is more likely Kyle Kuzma gets traded now now I mean the off season when we turn the NBA calendar year than ever before, because contractually it's easier to deal him. So if they decide they are going to part ways with Kyle Kuzma, which I don't think is a given, are there some guys out there that that you would be targeting? You know, I, we can get into this in more depth a little later, but I actually, I am more willing to part ways with KCP than Kyle Kuzma. You can, that's a hot Flame me if you want. I think if Dennis Schroeder returns, if Dennis Schroeder comes back and is a Laker, and Alex Caruso comes back and is a Laker, and Taylor Horton Tucker comes back and is a Laker, mm-hmm. I think KCP becomes more expendable than Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma does not have – there's not another player on the Lakers roster currently that has Kyle Kuzma's skill set, whether that I, I be agree. defending wings – whether that be rebounding from the three, four position. No one else on the Lakers does those things. There are people who do what KCP does. Maybe not as well, but they do it. There's no, I mean, you could say LeBron, obviously, but LeBron's not in this category, guys, we're talking about. Markeith Morris five years ago, maybe. Markeith Morris now, no. He's strictly four, four, maybe a four, maybe even just more of a five now. So yeah, yeah, that's the problem, right? Is Kyle Kuzma is really the only wing defender with any real size that you've got. Otherwise, you've got undersized Wes Matthews, who's a free agent. You've got undersized KCP. Uh, and you've got guys like Caruso and players like that. Uh, THT, right? Who, again, undersized, crazy wingspan, but he's 6'4", so he's undersized. So I agree with you on that. I think in a nutshell, KCP's got more value than, than Kuzma does. But okay. Kuzma Kuzma probably has the more desirable skill set around the NBA. I, I feel like I've been saying for years, if Kuzma got just a little bit better across the board, a little bit better as a shooter, a little bit better as a rebounder, a little bit better as a three-point shooter, a little bit more accurate, right? A little bit better defensively. He would make a big leap to where a lot of teams would, would really want him. But he just hasn't quite got there. You're just like waiting for him to put yeah. everything together. He's pretty good in a lot of areas, but not quite good enough. But that being said, if Kuzma's going to move, and I know you say KCP would be the, the easier one to replace, and I think that's true. You could replace him with, there's a number of guys out there that you could target. But if you were to move Kuzma, 
what type of a deal are you looking for? Which, as crazy as as this is, Kuzma is the longest-standing Laker. No one else on the team has been a Laker as long as Kuzma, and I still feel like he's a new guy. Yeah, and look, this is the number one reason why I'm stating that I would prefer to trade KCP or over Kuzma if I had to pick. Because if the Lakers are going to trade Kuzma, what type of player would they want back? Well, Kuzma. they'd want they'd want a big wing who can defend threes and fours and rebound the ball and shoot the three. Well, you have that. You have Kyle Kuzma. He's not he's not the ideal version of it, but you have it. So you're essentially trading Kuzma for better Kuzma, which why would you do that if you're the other team involved? I mean, I like let's maybe we're talking about multiple deals here. Like maybe there's a I don't know, Dennis Schroeder gets a big contract somewhere else and there's a sign and trade and and you get a piece back there that works and then you can, you know, it's it doesn't have to be a one for one. But yeah. I agree. If you if you move Kuzma, then you really have to focus on finding 3 and D wings because he's the only like if you squint three and D wing really on the Lakers. That's got the yeah. size to defend threes and fours. And we talked about, I, I, I talked to you about this a little earlier today. The on, the, and this is a, this is in a world where Dennis Schroeder doesn't come back just mm-hmm. because having this player and Dennis Schroeder is kind of a redundancy, uh, a player I'd be really interested in if his team was willing to move on from him is Terry Rozier. I think he's a really good fit on the Lakers Provided Dennis Schroeder doesn't come back because Dennis Schroeder and Terry Rozier are like practically the same dude. Except for three-point so, percentage. Yeah, except for three-point <laughs> percentage. But but honestly, if Terry Rozier came to the Lakers, he'd probably shoot Dennis's percentages anyway. So Yeah, that that's the problem. That's the problem, yeah. Ron. So, so I, I, I believe same. Terry Rozier shot over 40% from deep this season. I know that was the case earlier in the season. I haven't looked to see his final stats, but... But anyway, he shot ridiculously well from three this season. Yeah. You put a Lakers jersey on him, you might as well just knock off 10% off his three-point percentage yeah, we'll, for whatever we'll, reason. We'll be generous and knock him down to like 36. So, But that's that's a player, if Dennis walks, that's a player that I think the Lakers would and should target. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the Hornets are willing to move off of him because of the emergence of LaMelo Ball. They still have Devontae Graham over there. They They have a lot of guards and not a lot of bigs. Um, so that's a team that's probably looking to get bigger. And a way to do that is to trade Terry Rozier. He'd be a really good fit if Dennis leaves. I'll tell you what, to go back to the, the Kuzma thing, if I was to move him, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a one for one deal. I would be trying to package Kuzma, the pick, maybe it's another salary, something, you know, you're trying to, I would be using Kuzma as a piece to get something better. And it might not yeah. be a better wing. It might be a better guard. It might be a better big man. I, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like because we don't know who's going to be out there and who's available. Kristaps Porzingis, probably available. I, I don't think I want him, though. But not, not based no. on what we what we I, just saw. Not at that price tag, anyway. Not at, at that price tag. But I do want to say something. This, this is going to be consistent for me across yeah. the entire offseason. I will never waver from this. You can save this video. I will never waver from this. To the Lakers, do not give up any assets for a center unless it is literally Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic. Like, don't give up any assets for a center. Not worth it. Yeah, you're you're better off just going after and get, going after like a wing Damn player, you. a guard, any anything else in the NBA right now because yeah. centers get played off the floor so much right now in the current NBA. 
Uh, but somebody, I've seen a lot of Miles Turner. Hypothetically, if Miles Turner was on the block, and we've been hearing this, right, that the Pacers yeah. might look to move on from Miles Turner, would you package Kyle Kuzma in a deal there? Now, obviously, you would have to give up more. There's no, you would have to give up more than just Kyle Kuzma. But I know you were saying any center. I think his floor spacing ability makes him interesting. Is would you kind of break that rule for Miles Turner? No. Oh, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> okay. No, I don't. Miles Turner is a very good player. I don't get me wrong. When the playoffs come, Anthony Davis is the center. And so I just I hesitate to give away players that you might want or need in the playoffs for a guy who's probably going to have his minutes decreased when the when the games matter the most. And so I just I really hesitate to do that. And I understand that, especially when you've got Anthony Davis, who I mean, look, his best position is probably center. So are there going to be some fit issues there? Is that really one where you want to allocate your resources? But in terms of value, I feel like you. I feel like Miles Turner could be had for a decent price, to where value wise, you'd almost be tempted to do it. But I get it in terms of hey, we could use these resources to go get a wing player, or we can go get a big. You're probably going to lean lean wing. Now, the only way I'm okay with trading for Miles Turner is if, and this is a very unlikely thing. I'm not saying this is going to happen. If Dennis Schroeder, for whatever reason, says, "I want to go play in Indiana." you can work out a sign and trade and the Pacers somehow want to do that, then sure. But don't give up any assets that you might want or need in the playoffs. So Ron, I think we need to do our first and I, I think you're, you're right there, but I think we need to do our first PSA of the off season. Cause I am seeing a lot of people saying, oh, is this rumor true? Saying, is this Doug McDermott rumor true? Is this Kelly Olenek rumor yeah. true? There's this effect. And, and I, you know, I don't know in our chat. I'm sure there's some people who are new to the Lakers, are new Lakers fans. And I'm sure there's a lot who are also or not. But there is a, an event, a phenomenon, if you will. A natural occurrence happens every single time. <laughs> that a player might be moving from one team to another. The Lakers name comes up. The Lakers name will come up with a lot of guys. A lot of players are going to be magically connected to the Lakers between now and free agency. That's going to happen. Okay, it's going to happen. It happens before the trade deadline. It happens all the time. Because if you're an agent, you're a team, and for whatever reason, you want it out there that this player is desirable. You add in that, oh, yeah, and hey, hey, by the way, uh, you know, a bunch of teams were, were interested. You know, it was like, I don't know, the, the Magic and the Knicks and the Rockets. And, oh, did I tell you? The Lakers? Yeah, they're, they're also interested, right? You add in Lakers and people, their ears perk up. It's the way it goes. We see the Lakers get used as leverage all the time. Um We'll go over the different rumors. We'll break down the possibilities because it's hard to distinguish between what's real and what's not. But just understand that when you hear a lot of rumors and everything, take everything with a grain of salt. Just, it'll it'll help with your sanity. The Lakers get connected to everybody out there. 
Yeah, and um, that being said, I totally agree with everything you just said there. Be wary. That being said, I would give anything and everything for Doug McDermott on the Lakers. <laughs> He'd be perfect. That's perfect. Like, talk about talk about the one realistic target that I would love in L.A. That's a free agent. Get me Doug McDermott, an absolute ideal perfect fit on this roster. Get me any shooter, really. At this point, we need, we need guys who shoot. Yeah. And by the way, that's that's where I would struggle with trading KCP. Ron, is he was the best shooter. Now he did have you know consistency was not there, right? But but overall, he was the best shooter. So that that would be an issue. But although I like this Aries Gamboa from Facebook, I mean, just get me right right here, right in the feelings. Said, let's get. Svi back. I love <laughs> I love Svi McKayluk. Had just just the, one of the prettiest shooting forms. I, and he was just the just a hard nosed gutsy player. I I miss Svi McKayluk. I I don't think I don't think the OKC Thunder are going to move on from him just because when you're a team that's rebuilding that heavily. You're not going to give up on 22 year old assets that you may you may actually like. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to either, but, but I like, I, I like the, the sentiment, uh, Rafiq Jordan, yeah. <laughs> Rafiq Jordan from Facebook said Kuzma is a bet is a butter knife in a gunfight. Yeah. I mean, look, but here's the thing. <laughs> it's a great point. He's okay. I mean, look, LeBron had that whole thing about, you know, empty every chamber and throw the gun to in the final game of the season. And then I put, you know, Kuzma's a butter knife in, in that situation, but I, I don't <laughs> throw the butter knife, throw the, throw Kuzma, the butter yeah. knife too. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Yeah. That's really difficult. <laughs> I don't, Kuzma is more Swiss army knife. Really? Uh, I called him the chameleon this year because he can adapt this game in a lot of different ways. Right. And it's frustrating when you see him shoot as poorly as he did in the playoffs, but he also equaled his season high or his career high. In terms of three-point shooting, 36% from deep this season. He works hard. He does. And I'm hoping at some point he's going to put it all together. But I totally understand the frustration because we've been saying this for a while. But he has, yeah. he's been getting better. He really is getting better. A lot of people think he's stagnated. He's getting better. Um, it's just not this rocket, you know, to the moon type of thing. He's not AMC. Uh, it's just uh, that's not what's... Uh, the way his uh, progression has been. He's more of a slow build here. Uh, Chris Williams from YouTube. Daniel House, 3 and D player, and Willie Cauley-Stein, rim-running center off our bench, fits into our cap space, addresses needs. Thoughts? I mean, I, I, I like both of those guys. I think both can be had on the cheap uh, and could play a decent role. I wouldn't be opposed. Yeah, I mean... They're not that top Daniel House. Daniel House. I mean, that's a minimum player. That's. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Look, when it comes to minimum contracts, give them to anyone. Give them to anyone that even remotely fits the skill sets you need. So if you need three point shooting, anyone that can hit a three, you can get a minimum contract. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're a big man that doesn't actively harm your team every time you're on the court, yeah, give him a minimum. Let's try it. I'm not opposed to minimums to just about anybody here. And I agree with that. Like I'm, if it's a minimum contract, it's really no risk. Now there is some risk if they're hard capped again. And we went over that a bunch this last season. If the Lakers trigger a hard cap again, then the minimums do start to add up. But otherwise 
minimum, whatever, bring it on. Yeah, I think they're going to try to avoid the hard cap for that reason this time around. Probably. Mm. Let's see. I, I've i got people saying Malik Beasley for Kyle Kuzma. I, I wouldn't hate that. I mean, I mean, there's like, I, I don't, I don't think, like, I don't think that would happen though. No, I don't think so either. I don't think it would, like, but, but in any event, uh, what about, okay. Some people are throwing in the chat. Curry, not Steph, Seth, Seth, Curry. Seth nice. Curry. <laughs> What do we think about that as a as a target? So, I came to a realization, and I think I mentioned it to you in in passing. I came to a realization a few weeks ago, and if you recall, the Lakers uh, in the summer of 2019 waited out, uh, played the waiting game with Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. and I don't blame them for playing the waiting game with Kawhi Leonard. It's Kawhi Leonard. If you if you can get him, go get him. Um, but in that waiting game, they missed out on signing Seth Curry to a four-year, $32 million deal, which is what he ended up signing with Dallas and is now with Philly. Yep. Um, I would, I, I mean, yeah, Seth Curry on an eight, $8 million per year deal is just about the best thing that could possibly happen for the Lakers. Um, so I look back on that moment, I think back on that summer, and I'm like, man, if they could have just abandoned the Kawhi Leonard chase, I think the Lakers have Seth Curry right about now. That definitely hurts. That definitely hurts. I yeah. mean, and look, he's not this behemoth. He's not going to go defend threes and fours or anything like that. But in terms of shooting, in terms of just bringing in somebody who can shoot the basketball, pretty good. I mean, I would. I think he'd be a nice fit. If they get it, but again, you've got to work a trade there for an eight million dollar salary for Seth Curry, 76ers. They need three point shooting. They're probably not wanting to give him up, but I mean, look, if you're gonna target somebody, he'd be a nice target. Yeah. Uh Ron, is there anybody? Uh oh man, somebody's asking me for if I was the GM, what would my complete offseason plan for signings and trades look like? That's, that's a- <laughs> We could do we could do literally an entire show. Yes, we could do two hour a two hour live show just on that. Yes, that would that would probably take about two hours just to go through a whole live show on that. But um, and, and at some point we will get there. We'll get to that. But for the moment, Ron, we're looking at you know the playoffs are going on. It looks like the Suns are gonna are gonna pick up a win here. Yeah, they did pick up a win one twenty two to one hundred five. Is there anybody in particular that you're like? pulling for now, Ron, given the way the playoffs have, have kind of played themselves out here? So, I think, man, it's tough. You know, I I don't have a particular liking of any of the eight remaining teams. Um, I know I did really like the Bucks, but I... They're down 2-0, and, and I, you know, it was a joke earlier. Mike Budenholzer is actually terrible at making postseason adjustments. <laughs> I know. So, like, so like that's probably over. Um, man, so, the, so, the, so considering that being the case, 
it's really hard. I'd probably be pulling for the Suns here. I'm probably pulling for the Suns. Maybe, maybe the Sixers. Uh, I do really like the Sixers. I like uh, I like Joel Embiid. Not a huge Ben Simmons guy, but I do like Joel Embiid, and I think he can like make the Sixers can make life difficult for for the Nets mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think other teams can. Um, but yeah, it's really difficult. I'm probably going Suns or Sixers. I I was all in on the Mavs, and that didn't work out. <laughs> so for the moment, for the moment, I'm all in on the on the Jazz. Like I I, I want to see, and it's only a lesser of two evils type things type thing. Not a big fan of the Jazz's fan base for some reasons, but um, I would rather see Utah advance obviously than the Clippers. After that point, I would I would rather see whichever team gets through between Denver and the Suns take out the Jazz in the Western Conference Finals. From there, I don't really care. My, my, my number one concern is the Clippers getting out. That's, that's my number one priority right now. After that, who wins it? I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, I've thought about that Jazz Clippers series a lot. Because you know what? To me, the Jazz losing is, would be hilarious. You know, because they... You know, they they got made fun of in that uh, in the all star draft. You know, they were making all those jokes about Utah and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert have like this whole like disrespect. We're being disrespected thing going on. And it'd be absolutely hilarious for them to lose with the best record in the NBA to get knocked out in like the second or third round. But I think I think the Clippers not making it to the conference finals again would be just about the funniest outcome that could happen in this playoffs. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Like, 100%. Again. <laughs> so I'm definitely rooting for the Jazz in that series. Um, Ron, I've got people suggesting Anthony Davis for Damian Lillard. Trying to make that trade. I've got people saying, do you think LeBron will talk to Damian Lillard? Maybe get him to come to the Lakers? Uh, I've also got people like uh, Dre Johnson here from YouTube saying, sign and trade Dennis Schroeder for Kyle Lowry. Uh, I've got things like that. Where do we stand on this? On the Lakers, are you done with Dennis Schroeder if the Lakers can get a Kyle Lowry or somehow the stars align, Damian Lillard, which isn't going to happen, but somehow you can get somebody like that? Are you ready to move on from the uh, the Schroeder thing? Well, look, Schroeder, I like Dennis Schroeder. He has some positives to his game. He has some negatives, you know. He's a flawed player, but he's very good. Mm-hmm. I, I want to keep Dennis Schroeder in Los Angeles, but it, the Kyle Lowry thing is interesting because in order to make that work, it's a double sign-and-trade, which has only ever happened one time in NBA history. It's so fun. Um, it's only ever happened once in NBA history, so I, I, I just I don't see the Lakers and the Raptors like working on that together and executing that and making this perfect double sign-and-trade work. Mm-hmm. But that'd be cool. I, I'd certainly like it. Um as for Dame, I'm not giving up AD, and the Blazers don't want anyone else. So that settles that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's that's happening certainly. But I would be I'd be okay with looking for a point guard if it's a if it's an upgrade or some other trade. Like if there's if Dennis says and he said consistently he wants to be a Laker, but he's also said consistently he wants the free agent process. If, to me, I've always looked at this as. If I was in Dennis Schroeder's shoes and I had a four-year, $84 million contract sitting in front of me, or I cannot sign it and pray that I don't blow my knee out or something over the next few months, 
And then I get to go through the process of having teams come woo me, a few teams maybe, in free agency. Like, that's my big goal? And I'm taking that risk with that much money? I, I'm Maybe I'm just not enough of a gambler, but I would not do that. Um, if Dennis Schroeder goes to the Lakers and says, you know what, after all, I just really d- didn't want to stay here. Can you do a sign and trade with me? Okay. Right. Maybe you can work something out and you can bring in somebody. If there's a clear opportunity to bring in somebody that's obviously better than Dennis Schroeder. Otherwise, I think you got to do what you can do to sign him. Yeah. I mean, the, you're not going to be able to replace him. Otherwise, if he leaves, he could just walk into somebody's cap space. And if that happens, uh, that's that's a problem. Now, luckily for the Lakers, there aren't a ton of teams with cap space. So the the options that Dennis is going to have um, is going to be pretty limited here. So if Dennis wants to go somewhere that doesn't have cap space, that's when the sign-and-trade comes into effect. And again, you can get that double sign-and-trade in there. But again, that would be the second in NBA history. Probably not going to happen. All right. So let's, let's wrap up on this, guys. And by the way, we're doing this Mondays and Thursdays. Every Monday and Thursday through the offseason, we're going to do these live shows. There's going to be times where we're going to add other ones too. But kind of standard schedule. We did this during COVID as well when everything was shut down. We did Mondays and Thursdays. So we knew, hey, every time, 9 o'clock Pacific time, we come on and we do this show for you guys. And we talk a little Lakers basketball, even though it's the offseason. But I do want to finish with this. Uh, I've seen this name pop up a ton. He's a veteran from L.A., DeMar DeRozan. If you can get him on a discount, that's the key, on a discount. He's not the three-point shooter, but is the talent there to where you say, okay, we'll try to figure out a way to make this work? So the most the Lakers could offer him, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not a, I'm not a cap, capologist. Uh, we need to talk to uh, whatever guys we have. I believe Keith Smith, Keith Smith is, yeah. is our guy. For that. Um. I think the most the Lakers can offer him is something like six, seven million dollars. Yeah. If you can get DeMar DeRozan for six million dollars, yeah, take him and figure out the rest later. Yeah. But I I do think DeMar DeRozan demands more money than that. And I think rightfully so, because even though he's not what he was and he doesn't shoot the three well, he's still a he's still a valuable player in this league. Uh, I imagine he's worth more than six million dollars. Agreed. Agreed, 100%. I think he's going to get more. If you can get him, I'd be pretty excited about that, even though it's a bit of an awkward fit. Yeah, All f- right, everybody. Figure it out later. Yeah, exactly. Figure it out later. Appreciate you guys coming in and joining us. Uh, again, we'll be doing this again on Thursday. So make sure if you've got more questions and comments, save them for then, and we will uh, we'll answer them. Thanks, everybody. Make sure you do subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And don't forget to turn on notifications as well. Until next time, see ya and stay safe.